You're listening to Tech Talks, the TV industry podcast from Broadcast Tech Magazine. My name is Jake Bickerton and I'm the editor of Broadcast Sport and Broadcast Tech Magazines. In this episode, I'm talking to James Kirkham, Chief Business Officer, 21-year-old house music label Defected Records. The moment the lockdown kicked in, the label took the decision to do something significant for dance music fans by launching an ambitious weekly virtual festival with DJs from all around the world taking one-hour slots, streaming sets from their home, live across social media platforms to a huge global audience. Kirkham explains the thinking behind Defected's virtual festivals, how they are organised, produced and streamed, and how the label has managed to get the likes of Calvin Harris and Roger Sanchez to take part and how it's managed to create such a buzz around its virtual festival season. We should kick off by, if you don't mind telling us a little bit, James, about who you are first, and then you could tell us a little bit about Defected for people that don't know, and then we can talk about the move over to these virtual festivals. Great. Yeah, thank you. My role is Chief Business Officer at Defected Records, and it's a 21-year-old house music label. It's my role itself. So it's everything in terms of content and promo and marketing and IP and films and documentaries and innovation, all of that kind of good stuff is part of my remit, as well as things like commercial. So you came from Copper 90. Is there something from what you learned at Copper 90 and a kind of a fan first approach that you're transitioning over into Defective? Yeah, I think so. They'd done something really well for quite a while now in the respect that they'd built community. They'd really... Mm sort of leverage this passion. It's a vociferous community as well. That's an insanely excitable kind of <laughs> bunch. There's over five, I think something like five and a half million people now following Defected on social platforms, on wow. Instagram and Facebook and the like. If you engage those people in the right way, they can do much of that marketing for you, be it the promotion of a record or an artist or whatever that might be accordingly. And so, yeah, there are parallels. That ability to coalesce fans around a property to drive discovery get newbies perhaps excited and discovering and seeking out new music uh, new artists how they want to share that what content you give them and how they might spread that amongst themselves too so all of those bits i think are are absolutely kind of uh, linked if you like be it from defected or copper or i'm sure other businesses that are based on a passion and have to consider fans at their heart a lot of the defected releases, obviously, it's house music and it's a niche, but that niche can quite often spill over into the mainstream as well. And Endor recently pumped it up yeah. as a big hit. Are there certain releases that in the kind of defected catalogue that, you know, have broken through? The Roger Sanchez, number one, was a defected record. Camel Fat from a couple of years ago, Cola. As you say, Endor was top 10 not long ago and mm. almost became like an almost viral hit. It was sung on the on the terraces by Leeds United fans would reappropriate. <laughs> there's yeah. a whole ton and, and, and still go on going. And as you rightly say, there's an awful lot of crossover of dance hits that gosh, can go all the way and right up to a radio too. And we have our glitter box label as well, of course, that, you know, yeah. perhaps gets a lot of that wider, broader access. We should then move on to the virtual festivals. Looking at your website, it looks like the first one that was sort of badged uh, virtual festival that had a, a schedule from midnight to midday was on the 20th of March, so fairly soon into, into lockdown. So a pretty quick response by the looks of things. What was the thinking behind this and how did you go about well, scheduling it and put it all together? It's quite a sort of global event as well, isn't it? Yeah, I think if I remember rightly, and gosh, that even now that seems so long ago, that was <laughs> just prior to the 
to the actual first official lockdown measures. That was that week of everyone being a, a smarter and more aware of social distancing. But yeah, we on the Sunday night, realizing much of our events were having to be postponed, but we had a conversation really on WhatsApp between a bunch of people and their respective houses and said, what can we do to make up for it? To do something where the fans can feel like they're a part of something, come together and give them some positivity amongst what is a pretty a scary time, but ultimately just a bit you know, of a dampener on things to say the least. The ability to put on events is something that Defects have been doing for years, be it a whole off season in Ibiza or a Croatia festival or whatever it might be. Ditto with an ability to live stream. So, you know, the Croatia Festival sort of has had brilliant amounts of live streaming over the years. We've done streaming from Tower Bridge in years gone by. So that wasn't, a again, a hard thing to do. Hmm. And what happened, it evolved almost overnight. We promoted it on the Monday. A bunch of DJs and artists put their hand up for it. And by the Friday, we were doing it in, at that point into a, an entirely, from an entirely empty Ministry of Sound with about six or I think it was eight people in allowed in the entire venue at any one time. And right. we were like doing kind of wipe downs of the mixers between sets and right. kind of elbow bumping and all of that stuff that feels a long time ago now. Yeah. Uh, and it, it kind of went crazy. We never intended to do this all the time. We wanted to do one as a lovely, not reward, but something, bring something positive. It got something like 4 million, I think, eyeballs uh, over the entire event and uh, it had a huge kind of average watch time of over half an hour. More importantly, everyone said, you need to do this for us every week. And we've been there ever since. We do it every Friday since then. And right. it's felt like this lovely chance of, yeah, bringing that love and life and laughter and all of that good stuff that can come with, with being together, which has otherwise sort of been something that's been very difficult to do. Starting off in an empty club is quite different to presumably what you must be having to do now, which is getting the DJs to do stuff from their own houses. I would imagine it's quite straightforward to put in a load of live streaming gear into a club and get that to work and be confident with it. But it's quite a different proposition when looking at DJs in their own homes, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. The ministry thing came on relatively simply, in inverted commas, <laughs> yeah. in that respect. I agree, because you do have a setup there. DJs can still turn up. And yeah, the ability to effectively broadcast that out was pretty much ready to go. Yeah. Then, yeah, we, we kind of do it in a different way. We have to go at least a week or two in advance. It's very much a case of recording the right setup. So we've had everyone from the Mambo Brothers doing a set from Ibiza and their terrace, uh, sort of literally above the iconic Mambo there in San Antonio, to ridiculously kind of decadent sets by people like Moose T out of his studio in Germany, to just very humble sets like our competition winner, the other week, Selena Fader from France, who's yeah. literally doing it in a, probably her parents' front room with her two sisters and as much joy as anyone. And what they're using to capture the content, is it literally just like their mobile phones or does it vary depending on the DJ? It does vary, yeah. There is, you know, people like Roger Sanchez, as you can probably imagine, or pretty au fait and down pat we're doing some fairly spectacular beautiful kind of recording but yeah it can be as simple as a line out and using a phone and technically that can still work but it's absolutely varied according to who's massively in it. i mean calvin harris for example who came on a few weeks ago and has got the most incredible setup and incredible kind of green screen record room style scenario and just this tour the force of music that he brought with this lovely old rave kind of roots natasha diggs was a set that's done amazingly well i mean it was a, just a single shot for the entire thing conversely dom dollar out of australia did one in his house and i think it's melbourne with like 
drone shots overhead. So <laughs> massive variety. And we don't, we just make some basic ingredients or rather rules for them to work to in terms of us getting the audio and the, the visual feed properly. From then on, we let them be creative as much or as little as they want. Where does the content come into and then how do you kind of vision mix it? One guy is effectively in charge of the output and in terms of that stream and how it goes out. We effectively have a sort of distinct streams then going to each platform. In terms of the output, we've been very proud of the way it looks. We've got some lovely feedback and I guess compliments in how it looks and feels and the aesthetic feels are cut above. We have a guy who's actually based out of Holland. He's worked with us for years who effectively brings it all together creatively and adds that thread from lots of those sort of effects we also have a sort of a vj who again brings some of those elements and then what you get is this combined might of all of these bits coming together it sounds like rocket science each individual part isn't uh, but when you combine it all together it is a pretty complicated bit of a uh, machine that works but it's just to try and make sure it is as arresting and as interesting as can possibly be And also considerations like it needs to work on a big screen in someone's lounge, you know, on an internet enabled TV, but it needs Mm. to work just as well if it's clipped up and shared on Twitter afterwards. So all Mm. of those bits definitely need to be considerations. Do you send them a clean feed that they put stuff on and then put out themselves or do you do just a kind of defective graphic so then it kind of works on all of them? Yeah, they get a bespoke fee, but that's just a technicality. We effectively have the defected feed that they get. Yeah times whatever it is now six or seven times absolutely what's nice is how we potentially can evolve out of this and there's lots of discussions at the moment about this feedback loop what people are wanting next how we can evolve this whole piece is it too short too long should we add these elements in do we need more variety what about for bringing q a how it reflects as well how we're all changing from lockdown and moving out and moving about more and is it a different amount of timings and what does it look like in the summer they're all the kind of conversations we're having at the moment what about from the dj's point of view you know they're used to playing in big arenas or smaller clubs but certainly getting reactions back from people right in front of them and then obviously adapting their set as they go along nothing can replace that feeling in Mm. the club and We've sort of been very honest right from the start. We knew that if, I don't, if you're in, I don't know, a brilliantly sweaty kind of dance floor, there's yeah. nothing beats it. And there's so much which is about that, which we're never going to be able to replicate. What you can do, though, is create unity and bring people together and excitement. And how do you get people like Calvin Harris to do it? This label didn't start yesterday. It was a 21-year-old house label. And Simon Dunmore is something of a legend in the world of dance, music. Calvin and, and Simon go back a very long time. Simon was one of the few people in the world of music that ever responded when Calvin was a 14-year-old sending mixes around. And those things don't get forgotten. Whether you're Todd Terry or Louis Vega or Calvin Harris or brand new people that we want to work with, yeah, it's a privilege to be a part of, really. Post-lockdown, could you continue them? I mean, would there be the same demand, do you think? I don't know if it's going to be the same demand, but I think think it's going to shift expectation i mean mm. i think if we're looking at 2021 now i think it's very realistic not just us but the people would be selling physical tickets with a virtual component for example yeah. a watch again a backstory a behind scenes a vr component whatever that might be i think that's a far more commonplace kind of an an, an easily sort of understood sort of notion which would be great value for the punter when we're getting two, three million views on a Friday into Saturday kind of festival, that's a huge amount of people in a regular venue. We, we might run a, I don't know, Printworks might be a 5,000 cap venue. So there's a fairly significant difference there. So 
what I think we're also finding interesting is there's probably a huge market that we can still talk to and engage with the defected brand or the Glitterbox brand or our artists and DJs. There's still a huge market who maybe don't get to come, frankly. Maybe they're parents. Maybe it's just not realistic that they're going to be, you know, going clubbing in East London or in Ibiza or whatever. Mm. So there's something there for sure that they can still feel like they are part of something feeling as one and discovering new music. So we have to take those ingredients forward for sure. Maybe there's more opportunities post event where you can do the equivalents of live audience Q and A's or meet and greets or yeah. after shows, which are more personal. So I think this is going to inform a lot. And I, with my positive hat on, I think that's a good thing. Everyone wants to get back to the dance floor. Everyone wants to end up in Ibiza again or Croatia again in our world and dancing yeah. together with smiling, happy faces. But maybe there's an element here that we can add back in that we can layer it up with to make it an even more enriched experience for the, for the consumer. For anyone else, any other IP owners or uh, producers of any sort of content, would you say that the kit required to do this is reasonably lightweight and easy enough to sort of get to grips with? Or would you say that you need yeah. to be the scale of defected to kind of you know, make this work? No, I think the, I think you're absolutely right. I think the kit is relatively easy. I think how far you go with it is perhaps a point of discussion and debate and how good then these things can or should look. But some of our biggest and best sets have been pretty, you know, normal, if you like, environment. Mm -hmm. So you can do it on pretty modest sort of setups in that respect. Our competition that we set up to find a new DJ to play in the festival it proves it again. We were trying to say to people, this is not dependent on you having multiple cameras or anything yeah. on the contrary. I think without a big community, it is more difficult because you can't get there on just the fact that you're doing it. There's a lot of choice out there, put it that way. Is there anything else you want to add at all, James, you think we haven't covered in this? No, I think it's great. I think it's great. Yeah. I love, love talking. Thank you, Jake. No, it's been really, really lovely uh, catching up and uh, you've done a fantastic job as well. It's a community thing, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah. it's a way of connecting. It's brilliant. Well, thank you so much. Love yeah, thanks very much, James. Look out yourself. Bye. hope you enjoyed this episode of broadcast tech talks podcasts subscribe now and i'll see you next time